What's up, what's up, what's up? Welcome to another segment of Meninje Trois. I'm your hostess, Keeks, and I would like to welcome you to my podcast. After I say what's up, I feel like saying what's up again is kind of strange. It just seems too repetitive. <laughs> so I'm going to just go ahead and say, how are you? Hopefully, everyone has been having an amazing week. You guys, we're coming to an end of Black History Month. But you know what? It's okay. Because we celebrate Black History all year long. Three, six, five, two, mm-hmm. four, two, four, eight. Two, four, eight. Um, <laughs> so with that being said, even though, you know, Black History Month technically will be ending next week, I'm still going to be, you know, coming to y'all with the information and education. So, uh, so be that. But hopefully everyone has been having a great week and a great year. How are y'all? You know, we are, what, two months in, 2019. Hopefully everybody Mm -hmm. has been persistent in their New Year resolutions. And if not, okay, that's fine. Um, (laughs) Other than that, I hope everyone has been doing really well. Let me go ahead and introduce my special guest, Nature Valley. Hey, guys. How are you? I'm doing well, girl. How are you? I'm good. I can't complain. I worked out today, uh, mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm feeling better. No, I've been meaning to work out <laughs> for a good minute, but I'm happy. I got, I accomplished that today, so I'm I'm feeling good. I can't complain. All right. Amen. Um. So let me go ahead and get the formalities out of the way. Make sure y'all listen to my latest episode. Our latest episode: homophobia <laughs> and transgender oppression. Literally dropped that earlier today. You guys are going to learn a lot in that one. I can tell you that. Um, mm-hmm. So make sure you guys listen to that episode. It's available on Anchor now. I'm not sure if it's on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, Spotify, Radio Public, Breaker, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, or Overcast, <laughs> or CastBox yet. But you could definitely find it on Anchor. So make sure y'all check that out. Follow my other podcast team, Charlotte. Um, you can find our podcast available on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Radio Public, Breaker, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, Overcast, and CastBox. Follow my social media accounts at Meninjetois on Facebook, on Instagram, and on Twitter. I know y'all got something y'all want to say. So whether if it's a question, a comment, encouragement, make sure y'all hit me up on my social media accounts. And lastly, make sure you guys follow my love at Nature Valley. She has her own podcast at I Just Want to Fucking Know. You guys can find her podcast on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Radio Public, Breaker, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, Overcast, and CastBox. And make sure you guys follow her Twitter podcast account at IJWTFK. Again, that is at IJWTFK. Whew, has to be a fast way to tell that. But without further ado, without any further ado, we're going to go ahead and introduce today's topic. Today, we're going to be talking to you all about intersectionality. Yes, what is that? I'm happy you asked because we're going to go ahead and, you know, <laughs> let's all know what, what it is and whatnot. Um, so... I introduced the topic, now I'm going to tell y'all what what the core questions are. (laughs) Um, So some of the core questions that we're going to answer in this episode are going to be, what is intersectionality? What is a social construct? Um, And reintroducing that term and really breaking down what it means and the history of it and all of that. Finding your privilege in your social identities. 
and pretty much that's it give y'all some examples of um various various oppressive systems and how they can sometimes clash and how in this clashing how that impacts people in um in society in various ways and then also giving you all some examples of different social constructs and all that so you guys are in for a nice fun ride but now that we got that out the way i'm gonna go ahead and define the term intersectionality intersectionality is the clashing of multiple oppressive systems examples of those oppressive systems would be racism sexism classism religious oppression ageism ableism and sexual orientation so intersectionality uh recognizes that okay you have various oppressive systems within operation and Sometimes these uh, oppressive systems will impact a person in a way where they will experience a multitude of oppressions, not mm. one that just pertains to racism, one that pertains to racism and sexual orientation, one that pertains to racism, sexual, sexual orientation, and classism, one that pertains to classism and ageism, one that pertains to religious oppression, ageism, and ableism. They can operate in every way. Um, and we're going to go a little bit into greater detail as to, I guess, trying to figure out if there is a hierarchy within those or not. But that's pretty much what intersect intersectionality is and um, a list of the dominant oppressive systems that exist and operate within the American society. I also wanted to reintroduce the term social construct because I feel like a lot of the oppressive systems that operate within the American culture are social constructs. And I know we talked about this in, I believe it was the Racism 101 episode. Um, but I just want to go ahead and revisit the term social construct and really break down what it means and things like that. So according to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, a social construct is an idea that has been created and accepted by the people in a society. According to the Oxford Living Dictionary, a social construct is a concept or perception of something based on the collective views developed and maintained within a society or social group. A social phenomenon or convention originating within and cultivated by society or a particular social group, as opposed to existing inherently or naturally. Hmm. Basically, it's an idea that is created by a society, and um, I'm probably diving in really deep really early, but... <laughs> in creating this idea, the society places value to it. They place a, um, associations to it, and it even comes with a set of privileges. Mm. And we have many social constructs within operation uh, of America. So I found this really great article by the Odyssey Online, and the name of the article is, I believe it's 11 Social Constructs. 11 examples of social constructs, something like that. 
but they define a social construct as something that is not inherently natural but created by society. It is an extremely important concept in the social sciences because without them, society would not be the same. The constructs very much shape our lives, but we also shape them. Mm. If the existing society changed, new constructs would develop and old ones may weaken. And they have a, um, I guess you can say this is a quote, but it says different societies have different constructs. What is the norm here may clash with what is the norm in another country. And I really want to read, I really want to place emphasis on that because I feel like a lot of times, especially with Americans, we, we tend to only think in the context of America and we assume mm-hmm. because, you know, America is America and whatever that even means that everything operates around America. Like America is the dominant culture and everything pretty much follows American culture. And I would even go as far as to say that we assume that, okay, well, the way racism operates here is also how Mm. it operates in other countries. Mm -hmm. And that's not necessarily true. Um, Or the way our government is ran here that's the way it operates in other countries or even sometimes saying things like, you know, the way government operates here, that's better than the way uh, government may operate in another country. Mm. And that's not a good idea at all because it's like, because who are you to say that the way that one culture practices doing something is better? That may work for them. It may not work for you. And just because Mm -hmm. it doesn't work for you doesn't mean that you can demean it and you can degrade it. And I just thought about that Thomas Jefferson thing I was talking about. (laughs) I'm not going to even get into that just yet. Um, But I really like the Odyssey Online article because they gave examples of different social constructs. And um, these were things that I didn't even think about. So I'm going to go ahead and share some of these with you all. The first example they gave was government. They said, if government wasn't a social construct, there wouldn't be so many deferring opinions on what is the quote best type of government and I found that to be interesting because government does exist in various forms you know in various cultures and in various societies and people do treat government differently some people treat government I would like to think that government is taken very seriously um but I believe given the recent um (laughs) election in America I feel like government is not taken seriously at all but I digress um another social construct they introduced was race race is something that was created within the I mean within the American society race was created as a means of being something that is biological and it's not you can't you can't place a science behind race because there's people who have, uh, as Nature Valley has mentioned in previous episodes, you know, there's people who may identify as white, but they have darker skin than mm-hmm. a brown or a non-white person. Um, and at the same time, the, what's the word I'm looking for? The characteristics that are associated with certain races they change all the time and that constructs too because the associations that are 
tied to these things, they are always changing. They change depending on how the society and the people in that society treat those things. So the Odyssey Online says no biological evidence to support if race were real um, in the genetic sense. Racial classifications for individuals would remain constant across boundaries. So in other words, if there was biological evidence to support that, yes, race is biological, then it would be consistent and it wouldn't change as mm -hmm. much as it does. But it definitely changes all the time. <laughs> The next social construct they introduce is gender. They said gender is not inherent. Genders are the socially constructed roles and behaviors and et cetera that society mm -hmm. considers as appropriate for men and women. And see, if y'all listen to our last episode, y'all would have heard us talk about this. <laughs> um, but gender is something that's not concrete. Pretty much society tries to tell people this is what it means to be a man and this is what it means to be a woman. And those associations within themselves, they are always changing. They change, they've changed within the past, what, I'll even say 10 years, mm -hmm. 40 years, 60 years. So because these associations have changed, they are not concrete. It's not as black and white as we thought it was or as we think it is. It changes with society and society is always changing, but I digress. Um, <laughs> next, they introduce femininity and masculinity they have uh, a quote that says society tells us what is feminine or masculine and how it can be displayed the values tied to masculinity have been generally seen as superior to those associated with femininity mm -hmm. again society telling society telling people um what it means for something to be masculine and what it means for something to be feminine um, and again, those associations change all the time because, you know, sometimes there will be, uh, a female who would, I guess, like she would, um, behave in ways that would be considered as masculine. So then it's like, okay, well, are you going to identify her or categorize her or label her? That's what I mean. Label mm -hmm. her as being a male because she's gendered as no she her sex identity is female but she engages in masculine behaviors mm. and that's where social constructs get really finicky because there is no black and white there's always this gray mass or this gray area which is really really huge um next they mentioned illness never thought about this one <laughs> They said societies diagnose differently and treat the patients differently. Therefore, the concept of illness is constructed. If it wasn't, there wouldn't be as much of a variety of treatments for the, quote, mm. same illness, mm. end quote. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. I never thought about that. And it does make sense because, you know, different cultures, you know, when it comes to medicine, they do practice things differently. Like I feel like in the American culture, um, we're really big on chemicals and manipulating the ions and molecules of things and uh, man-made mm -hmm. uh, med medicine compared to medicine that is more natural, that is from the earth. Um, so that is interesting. I never thought about that one. <laughs> 
next we have marriage. They said the concept of marriage is not universal. And that was pretty much all they said about that one. <laughs> um, which that's something I never thought to dig too much into. Like I, I didn't, I, I don't assume that all cultures practice marriage in the same ways. Um, but again, like if it was something that was concrete, it wouldn't be so much variance within mm-hmm. it. So I guess that kind of makes me question or ask. Um, never mind. I'm gonna come back to it. <laughs> so the next one they introduced is family. They say the stereotypical family dynamic varies from culture to culture. There is no inherent family structure. Um, next, they say organized religions. They said, among other things, organized religion was created by humans as a way of connecting to each other. Mm-hmm. So I guess now I'm going to go ahead and ask. So are we, do we assume that, can we assume that all social constructs are created by man? Like they're man-made? Would of you course. Say yeah, I would definitely say so. I mean, anything that's constructed is like, I wouldn't even say the opposite of natural because that's getting into that binary again. Mm -hmm. But it's definitely not natural. Like, if you think about something that, um, I don't know. Like, we're working with what we have, essentially, I guess, which is our ideas, but we're forming them to be something else, if that makes sense. And forming them to operate as something other than what already exists. Because naturally what exists is not order. Like, naturally what exists is, like, chaos. But, like since we have this desire for order, we construct things to kind of make it seem like there is some type of um, order or natural order in place when there really isn't. So I definitely think it's completely constructed by man. And then I guess like the next question could be like, what makes something natural, which I feel like that's a very loaded question. (laughs) I remember being asked that in class one time and I'm like, Oh, well, um, Oh, uh, let me come back to me on that in about a month. Um, but like something, so say for example, if you're just out, I don't, and I feel like it's very hard to even imagine this because, especially in relation to America, because I feel like uh, a lot of things are manipulated within American culture. Mm-hmm. You know, there's genetic in- engineering, and there's so much intentional sometimes intentional harm within um nature itself you know Mm -hmm. and trying to get a specific desired outcome so it's like Mm -hmm. anything that man do make isn't natural Mm -hmm. yeah precisely oh my gosh i just answered that question i'm so (laughs) proud oh my gosh okay 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 um, so we're just going to go ahead and move forward. The next one they introduced is technology. They said the importance and impact of technology isn't the same for every society. Some heavily rely on it while some oppose it. Again, I never would have thought of, of technology as being a social construct. Um, I do understand that people value, place value in different things, but, and I also understand that not everyone, you know, um, and when I say everyone, I mean like various nations and cultures and civilizations of people. Not everyone is so dependent upon technology. 
Um, so I guess because of that, like because it's not an essential need for everyone, that's probably what makes it a social construct. I think also along with that is how we view technology because literally anything can be a technology. Like a lot of times I think people, and I think it's the Western world's way of thinking. Like technology is like the internet or like a car right. or an airplane right. or something. But technology could be a knife. Technology could be a chair. Technology could be a table. Like we all depend on technology in some way. So I think along with this definition is like, it's a construction because tech, the meaning of technology varies in different cultures as well. Right. Like in Western culture, technology is something that I don't, I don't even know how you would describe Western technology, like just internet and cars and planes and grandiose things like, but right. in another culture or society technology, like I said, could be anything. That is so interesting. And see, I can be honest in saying I definitely like, and maybe that's just me, you know, uh, having an eth, I don't even want to say ethnocentric, but just really thinking within this Western way mm-hmm. of thinking that technology automatically assumes, oh, like this little robot thing and mm-hmm. smartphones and Wi-Fi and, you know, mm-hmm. uh, like you said, airplanes and all those kinds of things and not really thinking of technology as being something like a knife or being uh, a chair or a table because I feel like technology is is something that is uh, intended to make things easier for people Mm -hmm. and to be of assistance so thinking of um, even like fishing poles Mm -hmm. that could be a form of technology so I like that you said that I definitely I definitely did not um, did not consider that (laughs) I'm going to go ahead and break down that term and do some research on it now. So now I'm (laughs) interested. I'm intrigued. Um, The next term they have is deviance. Mm -hmm. They said deviant behavior is extremely relative. One society may consider something to be wrong or different while another may not. I feel like that's a very broad, very broad. (laughs) Um, it's, It's not as, uh I guess like concrete as um like other terms or people may even hear this and be like what does that mean uh Mm -hmm. but I do have a definition so deviant uh define well google defines deviant as departing from usual or accepted standards especially in social or sexual behavior Mm. so something that's not I guess it's like a common practice, mm-hmm. which I feel like, again, that's very broad. And that could essentially be anything, you know, mm-hmm. when, you, when you are studying various cultures and nations and societies, because, you know, who are we to say what's common compared to what's not common? Like, mm-hmm. if we do look at the common threads and seeing how different cultures practice certain things, maybe the common things would be, uh, I don't know, I'm trying to think, like, what's an example? A common thing would be having, so let's say if you're looking at different cultures and you're looking at their their government, a common uh, thing could be the order of the government, for example. But again, that's, that's very broad, but okay. <laughs> Next term and final term they have is education. They say the process of learning is socially constructed. 
There is no universal outline for education. The values of a society play into the, quote, education experience, end quote. I can definitely agree with that. 100%. Right. Just thinking of the uh, education, not just in America, but just really thinking of the process of learning as a whole. There is no, Mm -hmm. there is no one way to learn something. There's various ways that you can learn something. Um. And they also said that the values, oh no, this is, I, this is something I said, my fault. The values of these things change within a society. How people treat them is different. So basically, just to reintroduce everything, the Odyssey article said they have government, race, gender, femininity and masculinity, illness, marriage, family, organized religions, technology, deviance, and education. The way that we see these things and the values that we place within these things. It's contingent upon the culture that we reside in. Some, mm-hmm. co- some cultures are going to place greater value in, let's say, marriage and family, for example, compared to another culture that may place more value in government and technology. Mm-hmm. One culture may place more value in education and organized religion, while another society may place... Uh, more value in uh, illness and femininity and masculinity. And these are just examples, hypothetically speaking. But I have another definition that I wanted to share with you all. And this is a definition of a social construct. And this is from the very well family. They define a social construct as something that exists not in objective reality, but as a result of human interaction. It exists because humans agree that it exists. Mm -hmm. And they also said social construct theory says that humans create constructs in, excuse me, in order to make sense of the objective world. One way humans do this is by structuring what they see and experience into categories. Mm -hmm. So I know even in thinking about this, I began to wonder like, okay, so can we assume that all social constructs have physical evidence but then again no because you take something like race there is no physical evidence you know to exemplify that um so i guess we can say social constructs is are things that are created by people and they're intangible things that we can't really like touch or you know really come into contact with so far as the physicalities physicalities of it but it's almost like an idea Mm -hmm. um that is created by human beings and it is maintained within that society basically trying to come up with my own definition of what a social construct (laughs) is it's very hard (laughs) very (laughs) tough um and I know we already mentioned the various oppressive systems and talking about how they clash, you know, for example, take me, for example, I am black. That's my racial identity. I am female. That's my sex identity. Uh, I would identify my gender as being female. That's my gender identity. And, uh, Just those three, for examples, those are, you have the race, you have the class, and you have the gender component. 
that's an example of intersectionality because you have these various identities that mash together. And one thing about intersectionality and social construct or identities in relation to social constructs is that you have privilege, you have a level of privilege and you have a level of, what's the opposite of privilege? Um, oppression? I guess. Hmm? Would it be oppression? Maybe. I, yeah, yeah. So it's like you have a level of privilege and then you also have a level of, of oppression. And I know Nature Valley and I was talking about this, basically trying to see if there is a hierarchy of the oppressive systems. Because I know a lot of times we hear that there is no hierarchy. And, you know, essentially we all do, we all are oppressed, just it just has a different name. But the most privileged position in relation to intersection, intersectionality and oppressive systems would be being a rich heterosexual white male because these are the people um especially when we look at the history of american culture these are the people that had the power and the authority and were making the laws and the declaration of independence and Mm -hmm. the constitution and essentially all the political decisions or in relation to government in the history of America. And even to this day, you know, you flip through the past, what, 50 or whatever presidents we've had, look at their faces. Rich, heterosexual, white men. That's the most privileged position. Now, the least privileged position, I believe the least privileged position is being a poor, homosexual, black, woman and I feel Mm -hmm. like people are are going to disagree with this Um, but the reason I feel that being a poor homosexual black woman is the least privileged position is because and this is this is where nature valley I'm gonna need your help but uh, (laughs) trying to figure out what's the like what positions hold the most privilege compared to the ones that hold the least privilege. And one thing about American culture, as Nature Valley has said time and time and time again, is that we tend to see things in binary. When it comes to race, it's black or it's white. When it comes Mm -hmm. to class, it's rich or it's poor. When it comes to sex identity, it's male or female. When it comes to sexual orientation, it's heterosexual or homosexual. Mm -hmm. Um, And these are just like four examples of oppressive not oppressive but um social constructs that operate within the american culture so basically trying to find out within these various identities which ones hold or have the most privilege compared to those that have the least privilege Mm -hmm. and i tried creating a chart and child of the (laughs) lord it's a lot harder than i thought trying to figure out which ones hold the most privilege compared to those that um, are the most oppressed in Nature Valley. I'm going to go ahead and uh, try to explain my table and I may even try to provide a visual, but you know, go ahead, feel free to chime in uh, because when there's a lot of gray areas and there's a lot of blanks on this chart. I'm just going to say that. Uh, So say, for example, you have race within the, um, classifications of race within the classifications of race when it comes to being the most privileged it will be white 
white people would have the most privilege um, in relation to race. The least amount of privilege or the most oppressed in relation to race would be black. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to go ahead and explain this a little bit, but the reason why I feel that black people are the most oppressed is because when we look at, for example, this is, I think this is a really good example. Looking at the history of the feminist movement, how uh, Anthony and Stanton were mm-hmm. trying to be advocates for women and they were trying to, uh, they tried having this movement that would be inclusive to not just white women, but black women, but being told, okay, we're not going to pay attention to, we're not going to focus on both. It's either going to be the suffrage of women or the suffrage of black men. Mm-hmm. And for them to make this decision where it's like, oh, well, damn, you know, we're all for women and I'm a white woman and I want my political freedoms and I want my civil rights. And you know what's going on? I'm, I'm just hypothetically speaking. I'm not saying this is what they were saying or whatever, but I'm just saying, you know, what's going on with black men? It does suck. And damn, that's very unfortunate, but that doesn't have anything to do with me. So let me go ahead and stick with my movement so I can mm-hmm. get my freedoms And then, you know, maybe they'll create their own thing. Mm -hmm. And that's where I feel like the question of, is there a hierarchy within oppressive systems comes into question because it's like, you know, you're being told, no, there isn't. But if you have politicians making decisions like that, where it's like, okay, we're not going to pay attention to both. We're going to, it's going to be one or the other. And in a sense, it's like, you kind of put the, uh, you kind of put the ball in, in this context in the feminist hands because it's like okay well you know do you want to be an advocate for your rights or do you want to be an advocate for the rights of black men mm-hmm. but even then like um what was I say you even in trying to be a supporter of a certain movement. It's almost like the dominant culture has to be a supporter of that movement as well. Mm-hmm. If it's not something that's being celebrated and honored and uplifted within a dominant culture, no matter how much support it may receive, like you really have to face the beast of the dominant culture, which at mm-hmm. that time, race wasn't something that was a priority. them um but i say black people are the most oppressed because you know you think of something as recent as the civil rights movement that was in the 1960s damn it that was like 50 (laughs) years ago very recent where you have black people being deliberate and advocating for their civil rights and just being how just, just seeing how there were so many attempts in trying to be recognized as being human mm-hmm. and still being murdered shot down and ignored that's why I feel that black people are the most oppressed and even in trying to advance and not even necessarily asking for permission trying to advance for your own culture in relation to the black community but still getting the things that you're working hard for and working towards those things being destroyed 
Um, did you want to add anything, Nature Valley? I think another reason why I would consider Black people as, like, um, the most oppressed, like you said, not only do we have to fight for our right to be human, but we have to fight for our right to exist as valid. We also right. have to fight for our right to, like, even, like... I don't even know how to put it, but yeah, I guess I would just say to exist, like not even to be human or not even to have an education or good food or anything like that. Like we talked about in our other episodes, like we're fighting for literally our will, not our will. First of all, we're also fighting for our right to exist in America because like, being a black person in America literally means you have a target on your forehead as soon as you're born. Even right. when, like, as soon as you're conceived, like, you have a target on your head. Right. So, like, yeah. I don't know. I think along with having to fight when, while we're alive to just, like, be heard as valid people and fight for, you know, rights to vote and the whole nine, like just the right to not be killed whenever we're seen or the right to be seen as like something of value or someone of value. Right. And not always be seen as a threat. Exactly. I agree. I agree. And one thing that makes it really hard to uh, try to place or, or even try to see the hierarchy within various oppressive systems. It's like, so for example, uh, when looking at race, you know, you have white and you have black, but then you also have to factor in Native Americans, Latinx, mm-hmm. um, people who identify as being Asian. Like there's so there's more than black and white races within mm-hmm. America. And this is why social constructs, uh, this is why race is a social construct, because it's like, OK, well, for one, there's more than black and white. And at the same time, mm-hmm. they're. Um, what was I about to say? Um, the associations of what it means to be black and what it means to be white, like there is no def- no definite answer. It changes. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's race. Next we have class, which I feel like with class, there's not a binary. There's like a, I don't know what the terminology would be for like having three options, a trinary. Mm. I don't know if that's a word. But, <laughs> um you have rich, you have middle class, then you have poor. Mm. When it comes to sex, uh, within American culture, the there's a binary in sex identities. You know, there's male, then there's female. Um, when it comes to gender identities, which... Why don't they... Nope. Gender identities, uh, <laughs> you have... Now we have more than two genders, whereas before it was man and woman. Uh Now you have man, woman, you have pansexual, you have uh, Nature Valley. I need you to help me out on this one. I don't know. Yeah, you're confusing them them a little bit. But it's just, no, it's okay. So, like, as far as genders go, so I think you were just confusing it a little bit with sexual orientation, but there's man, there's woman, there's people who don't identify as either, so gender fluid, there's okay. people that identify as both, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, 
Yeah. And then uh, that's actually the next one, sexual orientation. Mm -hmm. So, you know, before there was either being heterosexual or being homosexual, Mm -hmm. whereas now you have heterosexual, you have homosexual, you have pansexual, um, you have asexual, Mm -hmm. you have bisexual. Mm -hmm. um, And those are just a few. There's there's a lot of, uh, we have more variety in sexual identities and sexual orientations today. When it comes to age, in relation to ageism, you have old and young. That's mm-hmm. that's a binary. Um, I would even say there's a trinary because, mm-hmm. um, you know, you have people who are middle-aged. When it comes to ability in relation to ableism, you have, I feel like there's a, mm, there may be a trinary when it comes to ableism because, you know, you have people who are fully physically and or mentally able. And then you have people who are, who will be labeled as being disabled because they have a disability, whether if it's mentally and or physically. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure what would be the proper terminology for someone who may be partial. I don't know. I feel like when it comes to uh, ability, it's always been introduced as a binary. Right. And I think that has to do like, I think the term disability in itself is a construction because it's like, who labels people disabled, you know? Right. Like, so, okay, we see people that are in wheelchairs and things like that. And so people say, okay, this person is disabled. First of all, it's super insensitive to say that because what if they were never able to walk in their life? You know what right. I mean? Like their whole life, they have just been living differently than you. But that doesn't mean that they're unable to do certain things, you know, or right. they're unable to exist as a, you know, and have a quality of life. The same goes with like, uh, and I'm putting quotations around this, but like mental disabilities, like, right. Who, how are you labeling these people? And, like, what gives you the right to label them disabled? If they're functioning functioning in society just fine, like, I know now they have on applications, um, like, when I was filling out job applications and things like that, like, oh, do you have any disabilities, be it mental or physical? Do you have depression, anxiety, blah, blah, blah. Like, okay, yeah, I do have all of these things. Like, I do have anxiety. I do have depression. But, like, it's not stopping me ultimately from functioning in society in some way. And so like, it's like in one society, it may be like, okay, depression may be seen as um, a disability, but in another society, it could just be a person that's sad all the time or a person that is like, you know, just navigating life differently. I don't know. Like the term disability always just like burns me up. Or when people say like, hard of hearing instead of deaf or something like that it's like no they're not hard of hearing their whole life they have not been able to hear or in this section of their life they just don't hear like that's just not a part of their reality like hearing or whatever is not the basis of all you know functional reality if that makes sense you know what I mean so walking is not the basis of all functional reality or um not having you know what I mean not having anxiety or not having depression like none of that is set as a an absolute reality so to say that someone is disabled because they have those things or don't have those things or whatever is just kind of it just shows the construction construction ability that's not a word I know it's not but the constructability (laughs) constructability of all of it really 
Right, and then I feel like the term disabled just has a negative yes. connotation. It, it sounds like, and I'm, I'm just being brutally honest, like when I hear of something as being disabled, I think of something that is not fully functioning. I think of mm-hmm. something that is broken or, you know, just the, mm-hmm. the, and maybe that's just from the English language and from mm-hmm. the conditioning, you know, of that, specific term and the things that cluster around it like you think of something like think of a uh trying to think think just thinking of like a piece of technology that's being broken what how do they label it as disabled Mm -hmm. so it's like to tie that same term to a person it's just Mm -hmm. it's bad that's it's really really bad um and I have something else I'm going to add, but I'm going to wait till we uh, finish this last piece for the chart. So when it comes to religion oppression, uh, the most privileged religion in the context of American society and American culture would be Christianity, whereas I believe the most oppressed religion in the context of American culture and American society would be um, Muslim or Nation of Islam. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because again, when we think of the history of how people have treated that religion, uh-huh. it's been it's been under attack since nine eleven, and maybe even before then, right? Because you know, like that's just the Crusades, right? We was just talking. About <laughs> I, don't, I will read this article to y'all. It just made me mad all over again. But um, in relation to American culture, like Nature Valley has mentioned, the Crusades, um, the Holocaust, that's not, that didn't take place in America. But even in this article that I did find, I guess I am going to read it to y'all. Um, <laughs> it's called Religious Oppression, Past and Present of Religious Oppression. And the name of this website is oppressionhumannature.weebly.com. So I'm just going to read a snippet of what they have in relation to westward expansion and how um, European colonizers were trying to force Christianity upon Native Americans. So I'm just going to read this excerpt. It says, quote, Europeans thought converting Native Americans to Christianity and teaching them the European way of life would help to civilize and incorporate them into the new Western European society. Thomas Jefferson wrote to Congress in 1803 addressing this issue, quote, first, to encourage them to abandon hunting, to apply to the raising stock, to agriculture and domestic manufacture, and thereby prove to themselves that less land and labor will maintain them in this better than in their former mode of, li- of living, end quote. I'm just going to stop it right there because that within itself, why are you trying to force some force, force a religion upon another person and just child of the Lord? The underlying, the part that bothers me the most is like, okay, you could force your belief on someone. But the underlying assumption is that they don't have their own beliefs that's worthy of existing as well, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, why are they uncivilized just because they don't practice exactly. whatever the fuck they practice like you do, you know? Exactly. Like, oh. it's just such a... It's... it's Girl. 
you you know we could talk about this all day talk (laughs) about this all day but I think like when it comes to having various and multiple social identities this is why people feel like they can't be Mm -hmm. honest in Mm -hmm. disclosing how they identify in a social manner because we've seen so much discrimination we've seen so many Mm -hmm. persecutions we've seen so many mass murderings and attacks upon people who identify in a specific way whether you identify as black whether you identify as homosexual whether you identify as muslim whether you identify as uh transgender we've seen Mm -hmm. certain social identities be under attack and they are still attacked to this day that's why people don't feel like they can be honest in saying I'm gay or mm-hmm. I identify as such because they feel like and they know that if I be honest about this, I'm going to be harassed. I may be harassed. I'm going to be persecuted. People are going to come after me. I'm putting a target on myself by being honest and authentic and saying this is who I am. Mm-hmm. That is so messed up and that's like that's just like when you are filling out job applications I know it's been times where it's like oh, I'm a lie about this one I'm not mm-hmm. gonna say I identify this way or you know like um so I know for example with me uh I used to have epilepsy and having seizures mm-hmm. so with filling out applications I wasn't always honest in saying that because I feel like well dang I won't I, I don't want to not get a job because you know people mm-hmm. are like oh my gosh she's epileptic you know she's not fully functional kind of a thing mm-hmm. and that's so messed up that is so messed up having to like having these identities that were created by society and at the same time trying to prove to society and other people and letting them know, okay, because I identify as such, this doesn't mean I'm not a fully functioning human being. This doesn't make me any less of a person. Mm-hmm. It's it's so messed up. And this is why representation, right? Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> this is why representation is so important and having diversity everywhere, not just diversity in relations to race or relation to, um, excuse me, in sex. We need diverse. We need diversity in every aspect, in relation to mm-hmm. race, in relation to sex, in relation to sexual orientation, in relation to gender, in relation to class, in relation to religion, in relation to age, in relation in relation to ableism or ability. We need all of that because when you have a dominant, when you have one specific identity. Take, taking a position time and time and time and time again, they're only going to pay attention to things that affect them or people that identify as such. They're not inclusive to people that identify in ways that are different outside mm-hmm. of their own identities. <sighs> it's, oh man, intersectionality. I wanted to have a very nice quote, but you know what? I may find a very nice video instead. Um, but I do find this to be very interesting and having this terminology um, makes it easier for people to understand. Um, but I do have a few questions for you, Nature Valley. 
Yes. Before you ask, um, okay. I just wanted to add a little something. Um, when you were talking about who is the most privileged group mm-hmm. and who is the least privileged group, mm-hmm. um, I was I would even add on like, of course, a straight white male. But right. it even gets deeper, like straight white cis male, straight white Christian cis gender right. male. You know, it's like the pinnacle of privilege in America is the white man who is straight, who identifies with the gender he was assigned at birth, whose right. genitalia looks like his gender, who um, is Christian, because like we said, Muslim faith is so disrespected in America, like it's ridiculous and it dates far, far back. Um, and then like, just not like anything that deviates from that standard is going to be oppressed. And the oppression exists on a spectrum, but it gets better, like the fairer you are, I would say, like the closer you are to cis, white, gender, straight, Christian male. I feel like it, anything that deviates from that is more and more and more oppressed. I agree. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Um, uh, I feel like I had something else I was going to say, but I forgot. It's okay. <laughs> um, maybe it'll come back to me. But do you believe that there is a hierarchy of oppressive systems? Because, you know, a lot of times we're told that there isn't, but do you think that there really is or that there really isn't? Yes, I think that there is. Um, I think that the most oppressive system that exists is order. I mean, order is a system, but it's like the most oppressive system because it's inherently discriminatory. Like anytime you instill order in a place where there's naturally just chaos like there's going to be a discrimination created or a binary or a trinary or whatever it may be. And then other things are going to be left out. Mm-hmm. And then underneath that, like I talked about in the previous episode, underneath that then would come like the system of like white supremacy. I would say that's like right underneath order. Mm-hmm. And then right under that, then you have like, you know, patriarchy and, um, um, classism and capitalism and all those other systems that become super duper oppressive but I think yeah there's definitely a hierarchy um, and it's just white supremacy like in America at least I don't know about all these other countries and continents and things like that but I definitely know in America white supremacy is at the top I agree and I'm happy that you reintroduced your uh, the concept of order because I was actually the, like that was the first thing I thought about when I uh, wrote this question down was mm-hmm. your take on order and how it functions and how it operates like even we broke it down and saying that it exists as a pyramid or a triangle because mm-hmm. a lot of times when we think of a triangle you automatically think okay you have the top then you get to the bottom it's mm-hmm. automatically um, a hierarchy when you think of that so I'm actually I'm very happy that you mentioned that was the first thing I thought (laughs) about Uh, and then also like people feeling a need again people feeling a need to mask certain aspects of their identity or hide them Mm -hmm. because of showing them they feel and sometimes know they will be shunned bashed harassed bullied murdered Mm -hmm. and so on and so forth Um, do you my next question do you feel that having social constructs are more beneficial or detrimental? 
detrimental 110%. Um, I mean, because I don't know a social construct that that exists that's good, personally. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like if, like, even if there becomes more of a spectrum of social constructs, like, if there's a billion different genders that we, you know, learn to accept and love and things like that, or a billion different quote-unquote races that exist and we come to accept those as valid and stuff like that the fact that they exist in general like means that something is going to get left out always right so I think they're detrimental I think they are 110 percent going to be the downfall of oh that sounds so dramatic but anyway yes I think that (laughs) I think that they're very detrimental not helpful at all and I know I think of um, a political science class I took with the professor and just reading some of the books that we read and just seeing how, you know, in creating political societies, they had this vision that mm-hmm. was supposed, it was like it was supposed to be inclusive, but it wasn't. Mm-hmm. And trying to even explain that to my professor, like, they are not being inclusive to all people. And mm-hmm. then he's like, well, why aren't they? Well, it says it right there. You know, all people. I'm like, well, not people, not, yeah, real people, but not even, you got some people that aren't even recognized as being people. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, him not understanding that because he was a white male and, you know, things like that. Whatever. <laughs> um, and I guess my next question would be, which I feel like I kind of know your answer already, but do you feel that we need social constructs? Nope. Uh, cut and dry, no. Um, but also, the reason why I feel like that, just going back a little bit to the other question, is because, like, the more you construct, I don't even know, the more ideas that you make to be true, like, that's essentially what a construct is. Like, it's something that doesn't exist for real, but everybody kind of agrees that it exists, so then it becomes right. real, but it's not organic, you know? But the more things like that that become true or become, like, real or what what have you, like, also the more problems that will be created as a byproduct of that. So I don't think that they're helpful at all. And I feel like this is something I want the audience to think about because I know like sometimes I just think about being in class and telling the professor how we don't need government. And he's like, what? Mm -hmm. Do you know what would happen if we didn't have government? Like Mm -hmm. the fact that people and I know me and you have talked about this, too, but people are very dependent and people have become so accustomed to the idea of order. So the idea Mm -hmm. of not having order would be having chaos and they automatically think, oh my gosh, everything's going to be on fire. People are going to be dead. People are going to be, you know, there's going to be all of this like apocalypse end mm-hmm. of the world type shit going on. And it's like, okay, but those things even happen when we do have order. Exactly. Like all we've known is, well, I won't say that, but all that we have known, I would say in this present day and age is order. So anything mm-hmm. that exists outside of order, like you said, is going to be like, or we're going to think it's going to be apocalyptic. But the fact remains, we don't know that. First of all, and I think that stems a lot from, like, religion, organized religion and things like that, because 
none of these none of these constructions are natural but religion gives you something to like believe in or whatever and right and in believing in this like it's completely reestablishing things that don't exist in reality it's like okay well this is the bible and this is the way of the world or whatever it may be or the torah or the uh gosh dang it i can't think quran thank you um all just kind of reinforcing the same idea that we need order like we don't I mean we don't know that we you know need order or whatever but the fact that we think we need it makes us need it more and like Mm -hmm. anything that we think we need or anything that we think becomes a reality and it just keeps um becoming more and more real and like without that um goodness I can't think but without basically having that thought that it's there and that it's real then it yeah it would would cause some some crazy shit like I think if the world never existed without order we would be chill chilling you know but since we've had order for like the entirety of our existence like Mm -hmm. trying to not have order would be chaotic if that makes sense and then like even I feel like people automatically assume that not having order is to be uncivil and even having that terminology being associated with not having order it produces this idea that's very mm, very what's the word I'm looking for I don't know but like people like you said, uh, people turn to religion because, you know, it gives them something to belong to and something to believe in. And I know uh, being in class and reading books about, you know, various political societies, that's another reason why political so- societies, uh, uh, I can't talk. That's another reason why political societies were created because they was like, okay, we want to give people something to belong to, something mm-hmm. to be proud of, a nationality, a nation, or, mm-hmm. you know, a culture and a culture that's very inclusive and all of this. And it's like, they had this, again, they had this vision, but it didn't turn out as such. And mm-hmm. um, we can't, I don't feel like we can always say that not having order automatically means it's going to be chaos mm-hmm. uh, or like an, apocaly- an apocalyptic kind of a thing, because like, I think of, um, I just think of the animals, you know, Mm -hmm. animals don't have a form of government or maybe they do, you know, I I don't (laughs) talk to animals, so I'm not sure. Um, but I just feel like people are afraid of things they don't know. And Mm -hmm. like you said, you know, we've been so, we've been heavily influenced to think that we need order. So to think of, not having order it proposes this idea that's terrifying to people where they think oh my gosh like darkness the end of the world fire Uh mass Uh murder rape oh my gosh that doesn't give them anything to belong to and I feel like people like the idea of having something to belong to and something to be proud of which I'm not going to get to that um (laughs) so not having that I don't know. I guess that's why people don't like the idea of not having order because they like having something to belong to. They like having a sense of community. But my thing is, we don't know if we won't have a sense of community Mm -hmm. without order. Mm -hmm. But again, I digress. Um, But that's pretty much all the questions I had. Did you have anything else you wanted to add, love? Um, 
I did. I can't think of it right now, so we can just leave it, I guess. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you all for tuning in. We're going to go ahead and wrap this up. I have been Keeks, and you have been listening to another segment of Meninge Twa. Thank you for tuning in to get these spiritual vibrations for your mental stimulation. Again, make sure you guys follow my love, Nature Valley. Follow her podcast at I Just Want to Fucking Know. You can find our podcast on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Radio Public, Breaker, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, Overcast, and CastBox. And make sure y'all follow her Twitter podcast account at IJWTFK. Again, that is at IJWTFK. Thank you again, love. It's a pleasure having you always. Of course. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. But yeah, we're going (laughs) to go ahead and close this out. Thank you all for tuning in. And y'all have a good night. Night, guys.